Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you that are here and uh, great to have all of you that are uh, joining us online, to have us online. So I'm going to dive right in here. Um, You know, there's always this really sweet thing that you see anytime uh, there's like a little baby around, like everyone's just like, oh, and they just give like, you know, that kid all of that attention and favor and just, you know, just they kind of become the center of the room, right? We've all experienced that, seen that happen. But have you ever thought about Um, good chance that was you one time, right? There was a time, you know, a little further back for some of us than others, but right, there was a time, right? Uh, And maybe you can even, for some of you, maybe even remember a time when you felt like, man, I just, uh, I I remember what it was like to have the kind of that favor as a kid um, where felt secure and just, you know, just, uh, that there's that wonderful sense of like everything is okay with that. But um, something that every human being has to go through, um, like no human being gets to escape this, is at some point that sense of just naturally having a favor and a place and belonging gets broken. Right? It's some, and usually this happens through multiple things, but we experience this uh, somewhat at a young age where it, it gets broken at different moments. An example, I was thinking about this for me one time when this happened. Uh, I played a lot of baseball uh, gl- uh, growing up and was on a lot of different teams and uh, loved team sports and the camaraderie and all of that stuff. And one time, and I can't even remember the reason why, when I was a young kid, uh, ended up being on a new baseball team. I think it was a different league even. And um, went and showed up for uh, the very first practice. And I just kind of expected that the relational dynamic would be what I had always experienced. Because on all the other baseball teams I'd played on, like I knew all the guys and there was kind of this friendship and like just all of that. I showed up for the very first practice and I'm like totally the outsider, right? All the other guys kind of knew each other and I could tell as they were talking and waiting for uh, the practice to begin, I, it was this weird feeling that I was just kind of ignored a little bit and on the outside. I remember the coach didn't even remember my name and it's just this like, oh my gosh, what's happened? And my first reaction was this though. I am going to prove myself that I belong on this team, right? I'm going to win these guys over, right? I'm going to so perform on the field, like they'll want me to be a part of the group. They'll like, and, and like no one had to teach me that. There was just this natural inkling in me that like I will earn my way back into this uh, social setting. Like, like I'll, I knew that there was, Right? There's a playbook, so to speak, that I'm going to follow and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be back on the inside of this. Um, and we all experience moments where suddenly, like, the acceptance that you thought that you had got broken. Or you, right, you experience that thing where suddenly favor and acceptance, you realized have got to be earned. And so my question for you is, uh, when did you learn that favor had to be earned? What was that? Because we've all gone through that. Um, I bring all of this up because it gets at the heart of, what, uh, of the passage I want to look at uh, this morning. In fact, there's actually something about it that 
uh, I want to unpack this morning that I wish I would have learned much earlier in my own spiritual journey, something that is taken time to kind of come about. And I want to unfold that uh, here this morning. And to do that, uh, I want us to look at a passage in the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter uh, five here in a moment. Uh, but let me, let me just set all of this up with some background. Uh, so the writer of Romans is a guy by the name of Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. And he comes from this background as a Jewish religious leader. And so he was a part of this Jewish tradition that had gone on for uh, at least a thousand or more years, right? So when you think about what he was a part of, it's like he played on the same team for like a thousand years. And they had the same playbook about uh, you know, how do you earn uh, acceptance? How do you play this game well? And that playbook was called the Mosaic Law, right? And you can find that in the Old Testament. And the Mosaic Law, it was all of the things that you would do to know that you were good, that you were acceptable. Um, and, and that's how religion worked. Um, it's and not just Judaism, but all religions. It was all about, okay, um, here's what you do to be really good. This is what gets you accepted. Or if you fail, here's how you find your way back in. But subsequently, what happens with that is uh, ultimately uh, they ended up uh, living or chasing after mercy and forgiveness of God. Like that became the thing. They lived chasing after the mercy and forgiveness of God. Like it was just this thing, okay, um, if I failed here, I'm not sure what to do. Like how do I chase after making sure I have God's favor, that I belong to this religious community? And this was true for other religions uh, done differently, but it was still this kind of chasing after of things. So when Paul comes and writes this, he writes this thing uh, that becomes this kind of upheaval. And again, remember, he came from this long tradition of what justifies you to belong or be a part. So look with me at Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. And we're gonna start uh, with verse um, one here. It says this, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, um, through whom we have gained access by faith. And just pause there for a second here. So this idea of being justified by faith, having access to God by faith, this is a big deal. This is, this is, this is a wholesale change of the playbook in some ways. And the whole idea behind by faith, what he's getting at here with this, is that it is through trusting God. When you think about faith, faith is all about uh, trusting God. And it is a kind of transition, and we'll talk more about this um, uh, probably in the next uh, series. But there's this thing that happens in the New Testament where it is changing the whole dynamic from uh, law to relationship. And this is part of what he's setting up here. This whole idea of faith is this transition of understanding your place with God and your place of belonging as going from law to relationship. But it's the next thing that he says here that I think is so powerful. This is the part that I wish I would have understood more deeply uh, at an earlier age in my own life. He says this halfway through uh, verse uh, two. He says, into this grace in which we now stand 
and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Um, it's so easy to just read past those words and miss the depth of what he's saying in this. And there's two things that come out of this, right? There's this idea of into this grace, and we'll look at that, and then in which we now stand, and we'll look at that as well. But uh, there's something powerful that happens in all of this. And I wanna start with this idea of grace. Into this grace. This, was, this is a deep thing especially for Paul coming out of what he came out of. And when you think of grace, one of the most common definitions uh, we, uh, you'll hear for grace is unmerited favor. Uh, and that is, a, that is really a terrific definition of, of what grace is, unmerited favor. You may have heard us uh, talking or teaching about this in the past. Um, you know, sometimes there's this tendency we have when we think of grace as unmerited favor is we narrow it from unmerited favor into kind of a, a, a thinner slice of what we typically think of as unmerited forgiveness. But unmerited favor is so much more than just unmerited forgiveness. And I'll talk more about that forgiveness side here in a little bit. But first, I, I want us to think about unmerited favor. When you think about favor, to have God's favor, when someone favors you, it's it is to be thought of with fondness and delight and, like, and desire. There's, there's, right? For Paul to write these words, part of what he's saying is he's literally saying God like, likes you. We, we don't often think of it that way, but God likes you. Like, like there's something about you that he adores, that he likes, that he has fondness for. Um, to favor someone is to think of them like we get our word favorite from that. Like that's my favorite because you like it. You favor it. You want to bless it. Um, you want to help. God wants to help and delight in you and your life. And we don't often think of grace that way, right? Because we have that more narrow view of grace. Is like, oh, he's kind of letting me off the hook here with this thing. But I want you to think of it in a broader way. And you know, the truth is, in a relational sense, we have a great example of what uh, this kind of favor is, this unmerited favor. And we're probably all familiar with it. And you've seen this. And here's where we see it with grandparents. Grandparents understand this kind of favor, right? Because it's how they see their grandkids, right? They don't make their grandkids like earn uh, their sense of well-being or they don't make their grandkids earn their life. They just, grandparents just look at their grandkids and it's just like, they just like, ah, oh, you know, it's just, that's the way grandparents are. I got to watch this uh, with my own dad here uh, recently. Uh, you know, my dad, after my mom passed away, he remarried, just a delightful woman, uh, Carol. And uh, Carol Ann and my dad both came into their marriage uh, with grandkids on both sides, right? So uh, lots of grandkids. And after they got married, one of Carol's daughters uh, had uh, a couple more kids. And so I was over at uh, my dad and Carol's house uh, having breakfast here recently one uh, morning. And one of Carol's daughters showed up and brought one of her kids, Logan, a little bitty kid. And Logan comes running into the house and he's looking like for my dad. He finds my dad and just goes running up to him. And my dad was sitting at the, at the uh, table where we were eating breakfast. And Logan just jumps up into his lap and just like puts his arm on both shoulders and just like, da, 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 and just starts yakking away. I don't even understand what he was saying, but it seemed to be very important to Logan as he's talking about. 
And my dad in that moment just got lost in that moment. He's like, yeah, really? Oh, and just started asking him questions. It was like they were speaking another language there for a little while. I didn't know what was going on in this moment. But you just, it's like my dad just lit up. Like this, this was his grandchild, not his biological grandchild. But in my dad's eyes, this was his grandchild. And I was watching Carol Ann, right? And Carol's just like, she, they're just, their whole world got centered in on this moment. And there was this, this beautiful thing where there was this child and just uh, lifted up and adored. And the value that that, ke- that kid held in their hearts was tremendous. That's grace. You want to know what grace looks like? You watch a grandparent that has his or her arms around one of their grandchildren. And you, friends, are watching a moment of beautiful grace. That's what grace is, right? It's this amazing thing. And you know, when I watched that, I wasn't like, what's going on here? This is so weird. Like, what's, what? No, right? Um, This was my dad. This was Carol. I, I know them. And I would not have expected anything else because the way they just loved on Logan in that moment and saw them and what I saw in their eyes, that's just who Wayne and Carol Bartow are. And we're in this series that is, he is, right? And we start off in in just understanding something about the nature of God. God is filled with grace for you, right? That's who he is. You know, there was something else that I saw in all of that. um, And it was something that Logan was really, really good at that I think most grandchildren are superb at. But when I think about it, it hit me that as Christians, we often struggle with this a little bit. And it was this. Logan knew how to stand in the favor of Wayne and Carol Bartow. He knew, like he was a pro at that. He knew what he was doing in this moment. I mean, when he walked, you know, when he came in there and he was on my dad's lap and he's talking to him and he puts both hands on his shoulders and then my dad said, and I mean, eye contact. And it's then Logan like puts his uh, hands on my dad's face. Like, you know, like you got to pay more attention. I'm just like, you couldn't pay more attention to it. But like, Logan just like, just talking away in this thing, right? And just, and just is so excited and just, acted as if my dad wanted to hear everything he said in that, right? And just dominated the moment. And it's just like, well, the gall of this little kid, what was he thinking that moment, right? No, no one would think that, right? In fact, what we'd say is, that is so awesome that that kid knows and understands that this is his moment because what he's living in in that moment is that favor that he knows is his. That's grace, friends, right? Think about what Paul says. Look back at at Romans again. He says, right, into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. There's something, and this is the second part of this. It It is that we stand in this grace. And what Paul is getting at when he says this is this is not just grace for someday when you die. This is not just grace... Um, uh, uh, when you mess up and you're looking for forgiveness, right? It is that, and it is the grace for someday when we die. 
but it is the grace that we stand in and live out of now. That's the point he's getting at. And friends, that's the part that I think sometimes we struggle with in all of this. Um, as followers of Christ, we grasp quickly and easily what I'll call is that moment of salvation, right? Most of us, if you're here this morning or watching online and you have become a follower of Christ, you know what that moment is like where, where you turned your life over to Christ, where you came to understand Christ in his, in his greatness and in his grace and forgiveness he forgave me of my sins. And we know what it is to experience this moment of tremendous grace to know that we have become a follower of Christ and our eternity is taken care of, right? We're pretty good at that. But standing in grace is a different thing that I think we struggle with. It is easy to experience a moment of grace only to spend a lifetime of chasing after mercy and forgiveness. So often I see us and I've experienced this as followers of Christ, right? We know all about a moment of grace that we experienced, like back when you first became a follower of Christ. But it's like we turn back to that playbook and it's like something got broken in us. And, and when, when we came to see that in this world, favor is earned, it's like we put that on God in some way and we find ourselves at different moments, maybe moments of failure or moments of struggle. And it's that thing like, okay, I, like, like I'm gonna live up to the grace that was given to me at my salvation. I, I'm, I'm gonna get, God must be upset with me right now. Like I, there's no way God would wanna bless me in this moment. And we begin chasing after this thing. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do well enough that God will, will once again be delighted with me. I'm gonna be the kind of person that has earned that delight and that favor with God. And you know, sometimes grandkids understand this better than we do, don't they? That there's nothing there to earn. And so often, right, we experience that moment of grace only to live a lifetime of works, of always trying to be enough uh, in the eyes of God. You know, Jesus said something one time uh, that I think pertains to this. And what's interesting is scholars have debated uh, what Jesus meant by this. Um, you can read books on different ways to take this and understand it. And it's a simple story. Uh, it's recorded in at least three of the Gospels, and it's a story we all love, but there's a part of this that is always like, okay, what was Jesus doing with this? And it's the story of um, one day Jesus is teaching, and there's a number of these parents that bring their kids, right? And it's just like they want their kids to meet uh, Jesus. And of course, the disciples see this, and they're like, no, 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 no. It was like, like, we got an agenda on this thing, right? There's people to heal and things to teach and we don't have time for the kid thing right now, right? Send the kids away, right? And remember how Jesus responds, right? Jesus is like, no, 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 I have time for the kids. In fact, I, I want you to see what scripture says about how he responds to this. If you look back at the uh, gospel of Mark, turn to, to Mark, Mark chapter 10, verse 15. Here, here's how Jesus responds to this moment. He says this, truly I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Uh, sometimes, or some translations will have, if you don't have faith like a child, 
You won't experience the kingdom of God. And then they're like, wow, like what did Jesus mean by if you don't have faith like a child or you don't enter the kingdom of God like a child? Like what, it, like, what could that be? Because when you think about kids, it's like, it's not obedient like a kid because kids aren't very good at that thing, right? They're, they're not good at that at all. It's not like if you have the theological knowledge of a kid, right? Because they're not great on like all the, you know, there's, adults have way more theological knowledge. Like, what is it about the faith of a child that is so important? I think what Jesus does next is so telling about what he's trying to communicate about the faith because he gives us a physical representation of what he's after. Look at, uh, look at verse 16. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on, their, on them and blessed them. Just like a grandparent puts his, his or her arms around a grandchild and just favors them. I think what Jesus is getting at in that moment is to be like a child, is to let God's favor and grace just be. Don't earn it, don't chase it. Live as if it's already there. Put your hands on his cheeks and point his face right at you like he would want you to do that, right? What grandparents goes, what are you, what, why are you touching my face right now? No, they're like, oh my gosh, does someone get a picture of this right now, right? Because I want to relive this moment, right? That's grandparents. They want to relive those. They love those moments. They, the idea of a grand, right? Think of, think of your grandparent, right? The, 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 the idea that a grandparent would, would think that their grandchild would bask in the fact of their unconditional love and acceptance. Like grandparents live for that. They want their grandchildren to think in that way. And I think part of what Jesus does in that moment when he says, no, 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 no. Bring the kids here. And I want you to see something. I want you to have faith like they do. Watch this. When I go to put my arms around them, they just let me. They love that moment. See, I think what Paul is getting at in this moment is he's saying, this is what you're standing in. This is the new way of living from law to relationship is learning how to stand in the favor of God. See, that's childlike faith, friends. And there's a part of me that wishes I would have understood this more deeply early on in my own relationship with God. Because there's been so many times where I feel the need to just chase that. Now, and what I want to do is I, I, I'd love to just take a little bit of time here and just talk in really practical terms what it is to live this out. Because, right, we can, we can think about this in theory. And it becomes a great theory. I have God's favor. And I'm just, I'm loved like a grandparent loves a grandchild. Isn't that nice? It's just, like, it's wonderful. But sometimes it can be a struggle in real life. How do I live this out? So let me just take a little, a little bit of time here and, and talk about how to live this out in, in three ways. One, uh, move toward Christ. And here's what I mean by this, right? In this story with Christ, it is about letting those kids move toward him. And oftentimes the place we struggle with living with God's favor 
is where we feel like we have, we have struggled in some, we have failed. Maybe it's a moral failure. Maybe it's just, we don't feel like we're living up to what we need uh, to do. Uh, it's some sort of sin, uh, big or small or whatever it is. And you know what our reaction is oftentimes in those moments? It's to move away from God. And here's how we move away from God. We just turn up the volume of life. We just, we make things uh, noisier. Like I just, uh, you know, sometimes we literally turn the volume up on the TV. It's just like, I don't wanna be alone with my own thoughts and what I did and, and what if God doesn't favor me? Like what if, just, what if I've not done enough to earn it, right? We go back to those moments where early on something broke and we learned a lesson about life that favor is earned and we want to apply that same lesson to God, even though it's not true. And we find a way to ignore that and we move away. And what I wanna say is in those moments where you're tempted to just ignore it, turn the volume up on life so that you don't have to think about it because like what, what if God is disappointed with me? I just, I don't even wanna have that thought. Move towards Christ, test it. There, there's, a, there's a thing here where I think it is okay to say, I'm gonna test and see if God's favor is not real and genuine. In those moments where you feel some shame internally or regret internally, and it's causing you to push away from God, turn the noise down and see if when you take that to God and just say, God, I like, oh, here's what I'm feeling. I think what you will experience is God's favor and God's love. You know, it's interesting uh, in the New Testament, there are a, a several passages where it talks about confessing our sins. And oftentimes we, we end up taking those passages as if God needs us to confess our sins. We, we take them as if somehow God's like, whoa, man, I'm really offended and I, I can't handle this emotionally until you confess your sin. I'm here to tell you, God can handle just about anything. In fact, God can handle anything emotionally, right? He can, right? The reason those passages, without going in and teaching those passages, what's happening in those passages is there's a biblical writer that's understanding that's not for God because somehow God emotionally needs our confession. Our confession. We need it. We need a moment of what it's like to experience being honest with God about a failure point to then exhale and realize we are loved just as much. Test that. Move toward God, not away from God in those moments. Second thing, um, in a moment where you're struggling with God's favor in your, in your life, um, hold to Christ, not merit. Hold to Christ, not the next good work that you're gonna do. Hold to Christ, not uh, some evidence of how you've figured out how to overcome some sin in your life, right? Because the, the other place we wanna go, if it's not to turn up the volume and retreat uh, from it, the other place we go is we wanna throw ourselves headlong into this overcoming mode of like, I, I'm gonna prove this. I'm gonna prove to God that I, that I can overcome this sin. I'm gonna prove to God that I'm a good person. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna, and it's like we try and, pull out that playbook from the Old Testament, the Mosaic law, and we find something in there. I'm gonna live this out. Like me on that little league team, just like I'm gonna prove to everyone in 
here that I belong relationally with everyone here. I'm going to get you to like me. And there's a part of this where sometimes that's the place we go. But don't do that. Because what you end up doing in those moments is you set yourself up for failure. You set yourself up to, to think that that is how God is thinking about you. Instead, move towards Christ. Experience what he has for you. You know, I think about uh, my dad in this and watching Logan just run toward him uh, in that moment. And you know, uh, it wasn't missed on me even that morning that this is not his biological grandchild. But he loves, he loves his grandchildren from Carol's side of the family as much as he loves any of his biological grandchildren. He is, he, with no formal adoption paper, he has adopted them into his family. And Carol has adopted my kids into her family. And it is this beautiful thing. And when I was watching that in that moment, I, this literally reminded me of this, of what scripture says about you and me. We sang a song about it a little while ago. You realize that? You, you are the sons and daughters of God. The New Testament says you are adopted into his family. You, right? Scripture describes this, says this. You are the brother or sister of Jesus. Don't miss that. Move towards Christ. You, you are his in this. And the way we do that, right, is not by trying to earn our place there. It is about being honest and authentic, right? It is, now, go do good things for the sake of going and doing good things. I, like, I, I want you to do better with not giving in to temptation, but not so God will like you. He already likes you, right? Do it for the sake of just, it's a good thing for you, right, in your own life. That is reason enough, friends, but not to get God to like you because he adores you already. Uh, third thing, last thing here, um, boast in the favor you have in Christ. Um, you know, uh, what Paul says after he says, you, you know, we have this grace and we stand in this grace, and then he says, and we boast in the hope of this. We don't act timid in this. We delight in this. We cheer in this. We like just like step into it in a way um, uh, that you enjoy it, right? In those moments where you think about how much God loves you, enjoy that. Don't, don't go, well, gosh, I'm so lucky God loves me this way. No, go like sing. When you sing these songs, sing it from the bottom of your soul. Like enjoy it. Like the way any grandparent would want their grandchild to delight in how much they're loved by that grandparent, right? Grandparents, right? When kids are like cheering because they see their grandparent walk in the door, right? Have you ever watched that happen? When, when a grandchild sees a grandparent, they're like, yay! <laughs> like there's going to be candy. There's going to be like, this is, I like hanging out with my grandparent. Right? Life is good when I'm with my grandparent. How many grandparents go, hey, calm down, man. Like, whoa, you're getting... Ooh, like, okay, this is a good thing, but like, not, you know, no, grandparents are like, yeah, that's my grandchild right there, right? They love that. 
I promise you, God loves the way you delight in understanding how good you've got it with him, right? Because you do, you've got it really good with God. So celebrate that, delight that, and know that your heavenly father grins at that. He loves that, right? So let me ask you, when you think about how well grandchildren understand how to stand in the favor of their grandparents, how are you doing with that in your relationship with God? How can you, and this is, I want you, I want you to just leave with this thought. How can you move towards Christ to experience that kind of favor in your day-to-day uh, I'm gonna close this in prayer here. But before I do, before I do, I just wanna say, if you're a guest here, if you're visiting, it is so good to have you here. And if this is your first time here, uh, go back and catch the, the message that Ryan did the week before this that sets up this series and join us for the rest of, of this series as we look at these qualities of God that have a profound effect on our lives uh, in this. Why don't you stand and I'll uh, close this in prayer. Uh, here. Oh, and if you're new or a guest here, I'm going to be out in our, in our guest center out by the welcome guest sign out there. And I would love to shake your hand uh, here uh, this morning. Let me pray. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for the beauty and the goodness of who you are, that you have invited us, that you compel us to stand in your grace and to celebrate and to boast in the hope that we have in you. May we experience that. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Have a great week.